0: Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Natures Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. A pleasure it is to be here with with both of you today. Pleasure, yeah, Jordan's back this week.
1: Yes, a pleasure indeed. pleasure indeed.
0: (laughs) Uh, So, we didn't have you last week, Jordan, so I guess... We'll start with you, what you've been playing, but also, you got to give us another tease for that mystery game.
1: Yeah, you. well, the thing is, is, you guys, you didn't miss out because it's just being bumped to this week, but it's, it's going to take you a little bit longer, I guess, so, or, you know.
0: We could, lost out on a week we could have had.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, you could have been, you know, breaking it down in your brain, so. Um, I want to introduce a caveat here. Um, I won't... I'm not gonna try to like distract you guys from like finding the truth. Does that make sense? I'm trying to figure out like a good way to put this.
0: Like, I'm not <laughs> gonna tricks. mislead you. Yeah, you're not gonna yeah, you're I'm not gonna not actively gonna, mislead us.
1: I'm not gonna actively mislead you. And if you're like like getting close to it, I'll be I'll, I'm not gonna like you know divert <laughs> you or anything like that. So I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, so yeah, I definitely played uh, more of this game. Uh, I'm trying to remember what exactly I told you about it. Um, but I will say, I think I, I, I said this last time, it's got great music. It's got really great music. Um, but it has uh, character dynamics that are very interesting and fun, and that um, I really appreciate. So, um, part of it's obviously a big part of nav- navigating the game, as you guys know, since you guys love this game so much. Um, that was a joke, I'm not necessarily saying, necessarily saying whether this is a game you love or
0: not. Can I add a caveat? Um, can sure. can Dom and I collectively, so not individually, collectively, get one yes or no question to ask you, each week?
1: Ooh. Well, you can collectively, uh, talk about it to try to figure it out. But you you can give me, you, okay, you can ask me a question, <laughs> but if I feel like the answer is going to give it away, then I will kind of uh, be vague or give you, like, I I won't answer it directly. That's why I minimize
0: it to, like, yes or no questions, just that way it's not, like, super divulgent. So it depends mostly on the question we ask, because we can ask a yes or no question that leads us nowhere, right? Um, Sure.
1: Before you ask your question, I'll give you uh, another nice, relatively hefty hint here. Okay. You guys know that user interfaces are very important to me. And I would say that this one gets my stamp of approval. Now, you might say that that's still pretty vague, but the fact that I got my stamp of approval should be pretty specific because it takes a lot to get my stamp of approval okay. on anything, much less user interface.
0: So I'm going to talk to Dom about this real quick. So Dom, sure. sure. I, I had a feeling for a question so I wanted to specific. ask, but the user interface thing leads me to believe that it's a useless question, okay? So what I wanted to ask, and d- this is just us talking, Jordan. You don't need to interject so you don't give anything away by accident. <laughs> so, dumb. I was going to ask if this game was developed in Japan, right? Because then okay. that can knock out a certain section of games. My mm-hmm. issue is most of the time, from what I remember, Jordan and I tend to agree that a lot of Japanese developed games tend to not have the greatest UI in comparison to like Western developed games. Obviously, there's specific examples where they do do it great. So I'm worried that if I ask that question, it's useless because he did say that he liked the UI. So do you think that's a useless question?
2: No, it's still good because you're still segmenting off uh, a good chunk. But don't you way. think that's pretty – like that narrows
0: it down quite a bit. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Westerner, or I, – I, to a certain extent, I guess because of your specific taste. But I still think it's a it's a relatively decent question. It's a yes or no. Uh –
2: we're never yeah. going to get there otherwise, man.
0: Yeah, and Dom, you can you can lead next week's <laughs> But questions. that's the thing.
1: I would love this to be, like, not like a year-long thing, but if it lasted eight weeks, that'd be fun, right? Oh, yeah. shit. Okay. Two months? Uh, eight shots.
0: So I'll switch the question a little bit, I guess. Sure. See, I think asking if it's a, a role-playing game is even more specific. I think Japanese or Western is less specific.
1: Let's say... Um, you could ask the hemispheres, and that wouldn't narrow it down as much. You could say, let's say, let's divide it between. Uh, well, but, uh, there's not like any Canadian games or anything. <laughs> it's just this but is dumb. About a continent. Really yeah, I'm just
0: gonna yeah. ask. I'm just gonna ask my initial so one. Is this a Japanese-developed game? Yes or no?
1: Unfortunately, I'm not gonna be able to answer that question. I think that it would give it away. Give it not Arr. give it away, but it would like narrow it down a little too much. But then you're but not answering. Since I'm not going to be able to answer the question, I will give you another hint. How about
0: that? Okay, I'll take another hint.
1: Okay. So, um, I said it has my stamp of approval when it comes to user interface. Um, I will also say that it... Not only does it have my approval, but I am uh, very, very pleased with... And actually, I'm gonna go ahead and give you like a like a bulk hint where it's basically like two. I am very much into the character designs in this game, and the second part of the hint is I've really loved the character designs throughout this entire series, or at least the games I've played. This oh, series. so I it's got- series. I got exactly. my. See, that's the thing is like <laughs> I may be giving you like singular hints, but if you check the context clues might be a little bit more
0: to it i got so dom, do dom and i get each individually get a guess each week or is it like together
1: because that's you
0: two guesses a week you so we'll each get a guess dom so my guess right. go ahead is tales of vesperia remastered
2: and dom uh, uh, character design is good it's a series it's probably japanese because he didn't want to answer that question um uh, Persona 3 Portable. Unfortunately, gentlemen,
1: neither of those answers are correct. Okay. But you've played well. You've played well. (laughs) Closer. Yeah. We are getting one step, you know, multiple steps closer, you could say, with all the hints that I've bestowed. Ooh, good word. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, uh, definitely played some of that game, the Secret Mystery Game. The Game of Secrets, if you will. I think that's what I'll call it. The Game of Secrets. Um... And then I want to give a big old, big fat shout out to the DC animated films of late. Uh, Because as you know, um, last year's films uh, were not the best. Um, Like you got Suicide Squad, Squad, uh, Hell to Pay was just not very good. And then you had the utterly abysmal, um, Batman and Harley Quinn, which was by far the worst DC animated movie, and um, the combination of both that and then you know the sex scene between Batgirl and Batman and Killing Joke really shows me that Bruce Timm has lost his touch, uh, which is very sad because he's you know the creator of the DC animated universe. Um, but with all that being said, 2019 has come around and we have uh, multiple new movies out already. And they've really turned it around. Um, so they had the Death of Superman last year. And then this year they did Reign of the Supermen, which is, includes the Return of Superman. So they basically done a two-part Death and Return of Superman animated saga. And so the Reign of Superman uh, started out, I think, in January. And uh was, was very solid and um, definitely a big step up from the films of last year. And then um, just the other day I found out once it had already come out that it existed uh, but they adapted the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, comic book and um, announced in February released in May so very short time but turned out it was very fun really enjoyable and um, and really, what you'd hope from hearing the words Batman versus Ninja Turtles, um, the action has always been really solid in these movies, and I think it's only uh, going up. It's only getting better, and they really nailed it um, in this one, especially. And you can see uh, it makes sense when you think about like the fighting styles of the Ninja Turtles and their, the people from their world, like Shredder, for example. And then you think of the fighting styles of like Batman, the Bat Family, and people in Gotham. Um, they match up great together in fight scenes, and um, and it's of course just fun seeing the Ninja Turtles and the Bat Family uh, interact. So, um, and then in between that, I actually kind of went out of order here, but uh, Justice League versus the Fatal Five uh, came out um, this spring, but I uh, didn't get around to watching it until. Uh, pretty much just now because of the fact that i wasn't you know i've been so soured recently on some of these movies usually i watch them the day they come out so um but justice league versus the fatal five was also really good it has uh, a lot to do with uh the legion of superheroes and um Starboy comes back into the past from the future and um then uh you know the fatal five is involved uh with him and in the Legion of Superheroes and then it also have heavily focuses on uh, Green Lantern Jessica Cruz uh, who is recently uh, part of the Justice League earlier in DC Rebirth in the comics and um, her whole thing her whole big story arc was that she has um, kind of like crippling anxiety and a lot of uh, fear she's very fearful in a lot of situations which um, You can see how that would uh, really like play into her being a Green Lantern. So um, they basically deal with that story in this movie, and I thought they did a really good job with it. And then I also just thought that it was a great Justice League movie, great uh, DC movie in general. The other cool thing about it is similar to uh, Batman and Harley Quinn. It's essentially kind of like a continuation of the DC animated uh, universe where it's basically like it could really fit into the justice league tv series um, because the characters that are there from the original series have their uh, original um, designs and then um, the characters the new characters that are showing up are uh, fitting in really well they do a lot of like musical cues to the old Justice League series like they just kind of have those tracks in there at some points so there's a lot of different things that uh, connect it back to that old series which I'm obviously a giant fan of and recently finished rewatching uh, the blu-ray so really enjoyed that and am, I'm really glad to see uh, that you know the DC animated movies haven't completely fallen off because There's enough of them, you know, there's multiple ones a year, and so it makes sense that two, you know, a bad year isn't necessarily going to throw the whole thing off, because there's, you know, multiple in development at any given time, so, um, we still have Batman Hush coming out this year, which I am very excited about, um, unfortunately it's not going to be the, uh, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill situation that I kind of hope, wish it was, um... But nonetheless, I think it's going to be very cool. It's a really good book, and I'm very glad to see it finally getting adapted. And, um, yeah, a little more hopeful when it comes to uh, the future. Um, there's a couple other ones in development. There's a Wonder Woman one in development. And uh, then, oh, Jared, you remember Teen Titans go to the movies when they had the post-credit scenes with the old school Teen Titans?
0: Uh, I still need to see that movie, but I know about the post-credit scene, yeah.
1: Right, yeah. So, unfortunately, I had hoped that they were going to bring back the original series for another season on DCU, the their streaming service, uh-huh. but it looks like what we're getting for now at least, it could change in the future, is called uh, Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans, which is going to be an animated film with the two teams facing off against each other, which they're the same team, it's just different animation styles, so... Um, But yeah, stuff to look forward to and, uh, you know, the taste in my mouth isn't totally bad anymore for that stuff. Um, I'm still about to watch uh, Constantine City of Demons, which uh, the CW with their whole Arrowverse thing has actually done at this point three different uh, like web series. Uh, animated web series for the Ray, Constantine, and Vixen, and then they compile those and add a couple extra scenes in and make them into, you know, an hour and a half long movie. And uh, the first two were very good. Ray and Vixen were very, very cool. Um, so um, excited to see what what happens with Constantine. And they brought back the actor that played him on the TV show when that got canceled, um, which I know. A lot of people were really bummed about because that was actually one of the better parts of the Arrowverse as far as true quality. So, uh, With all that being said, I am um, enjoying the DC animated movies, which is not something I could have said a year ago. And I'm very happy to be back in a good spot with them.
0: That's good. It's weird that they would fall off like that, but it's good to see that they're, they corrected course and they're back on the tracks. Because it could have just veered yeah. off course. and like, you Yeah, know. well... Killing
1: Joke, a lot of people... Basically, what happened with Killing Joke is it's such a short story that it would have been like a 35, 40-minute movie, which it was when they got to that part, and so they basically add this uh, prelude at the beginning with Batgirl, and most of it is cool, but then it kind of goes off the deep end, and she's like "They hobbited like, it, bang Batman on a rooftop. Um, sorry, what'd you say?
0: They hobbited it, like, you know, one book, stretching it into a trilogy
2: small yeah, story make they were makes it to bigger. stretch
1: it out yeah and it's like I said unfortunately that looked like the beginning of the end for Bruce Tim um, because I didn't think killing joke was like a disgrace or anything and then after they do the Batgirl Prelude they just straight up do the the comic and I think they did it well um, but then yeah one dude suicide squad held a pay last year was just not great but compounded with like Harley Quinn, Batman and Harley Quinn is some of the worst DC <laughs> material I've ever seen. Yeah. It's definitely the worst animated movie. Definitely. I mean, it's war- like straight up, you guys know I don't like Batman v Superman or anything like that. Like the DCEU for the most part. It's way worse than all of that stuff. Like it is God. really, really bad. It's it's worse than than Aquaman or anything like that. So yeah, it's... It's really sad to see that happen, especially because that, you know, I was talking about Justice League versus Fatal 5, has like... It's like a spiritual successor kind of thing, but it definitely has connections, and the fans will definitely appreciate them. But Batman and Harley Quinn is technically the last canonical piece of the DC animated universe, which ended, you know, 10 plus years ago, and people have wanted them to add to that forever, and they haven't, you know, with Young Justice and stuff like that, so... They finally decide to come back to it, and it is an utter trash fire disaster, and that's like such an awful final stamp on that awesome, awesome universe that they created. So yeah, unfortunately, you know, with Bruce Timm's last two entries, it's just like, man, that really sucks that you totally George lucas your own deal there, you know,
2: but <laughs> um, uh, it happens.
0: Dom, you want to tell us what you've been playing?
2: <laughs> Nothing. Just a bit of Sekiro. <laughs> Yeah. And that's it. Um, I watched Endgame. Yes, you did. Oh, you watched Wee. Winter
0: Soldier. with? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like how you apologize. It wasn't that big of a deal, but you're like, man, I'm sorry for not taking your advice. I'm not watching Captain America first. Yeah. yeah. It was well, it
2: was, the, the order of operations was, was funny because I first asked, should I watch Captain America, the first Avenger, before watching Winter Soldier? To which you obviously replied, yeah. And then the following day so i didn't listen to you and i just went straight to winter soldier Um, yeah but yeah so i watched that and then later on uh watched endgame and both were really cool so yeah marvel nice
1: yeah so dom since you if you don't mind since you don't have a lot going on or haven't had a lot going on this week can we can i ask you how in the absolute fuck you're still enjoying game of thrones Oh, sure. Um, how it's... In the absolute fuck. Jared, are you still enjoying You're still into it, right?
0: So, I'm between you two. I don't hate it as much as you do. Uh, and I so don't love should, it as we much should as Dom does. we should see people in on
1: our chat. I have essentially checked out... I recently told you guys, like, I did something I never did before where I just totally spoiled the finale episode for myself because episode five got so bad for me. And just everything combining together got so bad for me that I was, like, actively wanting it to end and not really... At all connected or at all. Also, by the way, for people so, listening,
0: we're not going to be spoiling anything. We're just talking about our feelings about the overall season, so don't worry about spoilers.
1: Okay. Um, and then, whereas Dom uh, said that the last episode, episode five, was one of your favorite of the, the entire series, right, Dom?
2: So Yeah. Um, it was funny because
1: Jared would be. I mean, we're as far as you can get on opposite sides of the spectrum, so Jared would be in the middle, you know?
2: Yeah, so I, the, battle, the, the Winterfell battle, I was like enamored with through the entirety of it um episodes one and two we've talked we talked about before i think and the, i like yeah. especially episode two i was really into um i think four they did uh they did the thing the one thing that has got me like ugh, was their fast traveling that just feels a little mm-hmm. some it was worse in season seven but they had yeah, a little yeah, bit of that going worse. on they had a little bit of that going on in episode four here um and i was like uh eh, but like I'm still like so into it and I'm, I was like, okay, but what happened as a result of it was exciting and I was it's hard to talk vaguely here, but I, yeah. so it's you know one of those kind of things. this past I don't episode, necessarily know that we need to be spoiler free.
0: Well, I mean, like, major beats, no, but you can talk about, like, characters, like, you can say, like, oh, Danny, you know, turning, or, like... Yeah, so I can
1: ask you this question, Dom, like, are you not upset with the way that they've kind of just thrashed all the character growth that they've built up for almost eight, or eight-plus years with
2: both Daenerys and Jaime Lannister? I guess I was, I mean, like, the the world seems to have been really enamored and infatuated with with Daenerys, and I had never... I never really jumped on that train. I always thought it was a bit odd that she was so popular because mm. I've always thought, like from the from season one, like I'm like she's not a good person. Like you can, I always thought like, and then along the way, like she was being held, she was kind of being ch- kept in check, you know, by by Tyrion and Jorah um, and so on. But otherwise, no. I like I kind of saw what this from the beginning.
1: Season one. What was she not a good person? And how was she not a good person? Season one. Well, it what I've seen over the course of these years is her freeing slaves. But she's also been very entitled murdered children. Like she's the person that she's like Superman of this world, where she's like, like, you know, truth, justice, and the righteous way,
0: basically. You know. Yeah. yeah. So in I've always seen her as Lex Luthor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it starts like That's like Jared. You started to say it where like in season one, like it sets it up like she was screwed over then she's going to do whatever it takes to get back the Iron Throne, like, just straight up, just whatever it is. Um, And that starts from her brother, obviously, and she's just kind of being used. But then eventually she, you know, um, her brother dies basically on her behalf, you know, um, from Drogo. But she reacts to it, like, and they mentioned this after the show, like, she reacts to it, like, eh, well, it's me now. Like, I'm I'm the one who owns this.
1: the whole point is that her brother is, like, you know, Pouring her he's he's her pimp and he treats her like absolute garbage like
2: yeah absolutely and she's serving and now that she obviously is not okay with that but she's now serving the same goal that he had so and throughout the way she's like kind of done some good things as a result like you know as a means to get to her goal like and it appears i don't know i I just never was like totally bought into her being a, a, a hero right and the same for uh, pretty much every character in the show, um, aside That's from maybe wild. Varys. Um, I mean,
1: I've never been in love with Daenerys. Like, I was never going to name my kid Danny, like some motherfuckers right, yeah. out here. Yeah. But I certainly have, up until now, seen her as the, the, you know, the the people's president, if you will. Um, I've seen her as the like the breaker of chains. Like, I don't see. If Viserys had been in her position, I don't think he would have been freeing slaves or, you know, stringing up the slavers who killed the children of the slaves. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see him being, like, a hero of the people in that way. Like, it was so funny because I was watching uh, MK Ice and Fire, or not MK Ice and Fire, uh, a song of whatever the fuck the guy's name is on YouTube. I don't know. (laughs) He's talking about how... Like he was showing the scene of the slaves calling her Misa, meaning mother, and like you go from that. If you just think about that scene of like people literally lifting her up in the air, calling her mother in their native tongue, and then you just look at her conquering the city with, you know, as few casualties as possible. All she's got to do is head straight for, um, head straight for Cersei and take her down, and then you just the scene is she just looks around and then fuck it she decides to you know destroy everything everything that she just conquered by the way which you know if nothing else she just made a giant mess for herself Um, oh yeah definitely a mess (laughs) if you want to look at it from a detached position of not even like all the people that she just brutally and uselessly slaughtered for people that had done nothing nothing to her yeah um and the complete and utter heel turn the mad queen shit that they've been leading us to believe has been so so quick in this season Um, where really to me the only like fucked up shit that she did or the only thing that you could say is fucked up shit is when she burned the Tarleys for not bending the knee but Mm -hmm. even still we wouldn't say that of any other ruler or general of an army especially if they were a man Now, they may not have used fire to kill those guys, but if you're looking at your enemy that you just fought a battle with and they're not willing to concede and bend the knee, you know, Ned Stark's chopped people's heads off for treason or for, you know, for whatever. So um, I don't think that makes her a bad person. Before this season, that's the only thing I can think of where you could point to it and almost convince me, hey, she's a shitty person or going down that road at least. Whereas they just completely try to... like within the course of a few episodes this season try to make you think that she's this you know, mad queen and she's just not And you know, the memes are flowing generously at this point when it comes to Game of Thrones and one of my Definitely. favorites is seeing the, uh, people just keep replaying the old, uh, inside the episode where it's, uh Off and Weiss talking about like she isn't her father, she isn't the mad king she isn't gonna go and like burn them all and do all that stuff And then that's exactly what she does. And I do not think for a second that they were trying to mislead you. I think that once, you know, the game plan for uh, since season one was not, oh, we'll get to season five and finish out where George is with the books and then we'll go on from there on our own. I know from from the bottom of my heart that they had to be saying, well, by the time we get to the end of George's books, he'll have written another one, you know? And there was no way that they could have expected or anticipated that in 2019, George's, George R. R. Martin's next Game of Thrones book would not be out. Um, so I think that once the road underneath them ran out, um, I think things went uh, very much downhill, and I think that things changed. I don't think that the decisions that are made or the... Um, the character points that are happening right now, I don't think that was originally the plan. And I don't think that that was originally the way that things were going. I think that you can see a lot of things seeded in earlier seasons that are not coming into play that were clearly meant to mean something, you know, they weren't, they were really seeding them hard and, and you can tell that some things just fell by the way. Um,
2: yeah. I guess like my thing was, I, I just like saw a bunch of more signs throughout like a bunch of like the entire series like i never felt totally comfortable consistently with her you know as being a hero and like you said with even with everyone else too like you said ned stark executes executed someone in the first episode so i think i'm more like nobody is good here and the whole premise my whole thing too is the premise of her right to the throne is built on well you know she, she um her dad was the last king but her dad shouldn't have been he was to me he was rightfully executed and to me like gendry has uh more right to the throne than anyone right as a baratheon because that was a slightly more just way to get to the throne but at the end of the the day they all get there through force when
1: you conquer a nation when you conquer westeros and you know you kill the mad king and you're Robert baratheon and you're now on the throne they don't have claim to the throne anymore. You conquered the land,
2: right? It's just by force, know? yeah. And
1: so this whole like, oh, Daenerys is the true queen. Daenerys is the true queen. I I agree that like, yeah, it should it nec- not necessarily Gendry Baratheon because he is a bastard, true. but yeah, but it should he should probably at least be in the conversation. Whereas like, yeah, like you don't have the right to the throne anymore unless you reconquer it, which she does end up doing, um, but. Yeah, it's a Baratheon throne at this point, which, you know, in turn becomes a Lannister throne. But um, real quick, Dom, what about Jaime Lannister? Because I feel like, you know, maybe, maybe you could convince me in some, you know, alternate universe that Daenerys was, you know, always meant to be the Mad Queen or that she was on that path. But... It's clear as the day is long to me that they had Jamie Lannister on a redemption arc. Now, he was never going to be the true golden boy and, like, he was never going to look like Ned Stark in our minds, you know? He wasn't going to be that pristine. But the way that he sacrificed so much for Brienne, literally his hand, you know, his fighting sword hand, and has done all of this, these things to help um, kind of the good guys, if you will, And has done so much to redeem himself, has been through so much and gone through so much to redeem himself. Um, I just, the the part where he says, Cersei's hateful and I'm hateful, so fuck you,
2: bye. Yeah, this one is, that's definitely more complicated. Um, Absolutely inexcusable. Because what made me, like, what they they led me down that, and I kind of felt like that's how it had to be, was when Tyrion pointed out to him earlier this season that you always knew what she was, because he tried to play it off like, you know, oh, well, you saw that she was so so hateful, right? But then Tyrion said, no, you, you saw it too. You knew exactly what she was and you still loved her. I think that was in episode two probably or whatever it was, right? Um, and I was like, after that and after everything, I was kind of actually uncomfortable and I didn't really like the decision to have him hook up with Brienne the way he did. I thought that felt a little too corny and, and happy-go-lucky um, for me. And so like... I, I kind of felt it made sense that he went back to her. Um, I was still, like, unsure if he was going to follow through or he was going to try to kill her himself. But um, it's, that can – I could see, like, that's complicated, and I totally, that I can totally see, like, anyone you know, wanting it to be a different way. Like, that one I'm like, eh, I'm indifferent to, I guess. But I, I do think that when he pointed out, like, oh, I've done this and I've done that, all these horrible things, it's kind of reminds you, like, yeah, like, what's he going to do, stay in Winterfell with Brienne? Like, no, like – he's committed so many crimes. Like remember the red wedding, like he's like so many things. I'm like, I thought it was weird that they didn't, you know, they didn't execute him immediately after that battle. You know what I mean? So I, that one's more complicated, but none um, of it really like bothered me.
0: So before we happen to what, I, what I've been playing, cause we're running a little long, I'll give my quick thoughts on it. So like I said before, please, I'm in between you guys. So, if Jordan's a 0, and I know you're not necessarily a 0, but just for the context of where I fall. Say Jordan, you're a 0. Say Dom, you're a 10. I'm probably like a 6, 7 maybe. I'm closer, more liking it than disliking it. What I will say is that so I think... So you are,
1: let's say you're enjoying yourself.
0: I'm enjoying it, yeah, but it's not nearly as as much as I've enjoyed previous seasons. So I'll try to go through everything real quick so I can get to what I've been playing. A, I'm cool with the Daenerys stuff. I think the foreshadowing has been great throughout the show to show that. I think the problem it it affects people more in terms of how quick it happened is because I think the whole season in general is truncated and it feels like everything's rushing. I think if this was like a full season of her turning, I think people would be able to look back on the foreshadowing we've had the first seven seasons. But because it's so you truncated been
1: foreshadowing before Tarly, um yeah there's the Before there, she oh the Tarly. Yeah. There's a scene so where many. she says,
0: I'll 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 take the throne even if it's with uh ashes Byron. and blood, blood. Or, or whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, There's like multiple times where she has acts of anger where people have to rein her in. So it's like once Mm -hmm. those people disappear, it makes sense that she doesn't have somebody there telling her to not do it. Um,
1: But I think we can agree that there's aggressive and there's uh, almost like warmongering, and then there's all out rage, totally, you know, indiscriminate slaughter. I think that those are are different yeah
0: what i'm saying is i think because because it's so rushed it feels more dramatic and it feels like such a jump i agree with you on that but i do think if it was like elongated and they could reach that culmination slower right i think it'd make more sense the jamie stuff to me is unforgivable i hate it um i think jamie had one of the best character arcs in this entire show and they threw it down the gutter
1: not even in all of television up until that point, yeah. I would say, Jerry.
0: Uh, to your point about the uh, "I'm she's hateful, I'm hateful" line, uh, I think good writing—and I'm not claiming to be a good writer—but in my opinion, the good writing would have been he says that line. As a way to convince himself to go back to King's Landing because he does have it so good in rest, Westeros rest with Brienne that he convinces himself yeah. with that lie to go back down there and then he, it eventually culminates with him killing her or something. Him dying in her arms together is yeah. not great for its character. The thing I will say about this show, the cinematography is some of the best I've ever seen in my life, especially for a television show. I think the acting.
1: Probably the one thing that I liked about uh, episode five.
0: The the thing is, as much as I hated the Cersei dying scene, I think Lena Hetty is her acting is phenomenal. I think a lot of the acting in the show is great. Um, the writing is a little rough. I do enjoy the show. I think like the whole Sandor and Gregor Clegane thing was great. There's a lot of stuff I I like about it. Some people thought the uh, the Arya white horse was a bit heavy-handed. I personally enjoyed that. Um, there, the the thing that irritated me the most is the Jamie thing because Jamie had one of the best character arcs, and it just felt so not great the way his story ended.
1: Yeah, Jared, do you think that that, that was how what they were going towards in, let's say, season five?
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. So
1: yeah, I think that things changed when they ran out of books.
0: Yeah, and the thing, too, that sucks is from what I've read, HBO didn't actually mind doing more seasons. It was D&D that wanted to truncate it and end it with season 8. So they only wanted 13 more episodes, which leads me to believe that maybe they themselves weren't confident in their own abilities to go off of the books. They're like, we're just going to do 13 episodes on our own. Well, technically it would be 23 because with season 6. I don't think the writing's as bad as people say it is, but I do think in terms of the first five six seasons it is a step down obviously um
1: i don't know man i think it's a pretty big step down and i should also say like the internet is even more uh, against this than i am
0: yeah oh yeah uh, yeah
1: like people just all out hate this and i think that there's hyperbole hyperbole even there as well um but i just and so i i will say like I'm not. I, this is not me just getting my opinion from the internet, and I know you guys know that that's probably never going to happen with me, but I've. You know, like I'll get up on Monday and watch the kind of funny review or Comic Book Girl 19's review, and they're way more sour on it than I am, to where even I can find more redeeming stuff in it for the most part. <clears throat> but yeah, I do think that the. The writing has been a major step down. The thing
0: I will say is, like, someone like you, Jordan, who actually enjoys the lore and the storytelling and all that stuff, I'm like, okay, your opinion, I understand it, I understand where you're coming from. There's plenty of people who watch Game of Thrones and don't remember characters' names, and I hate to be this harsh, but, like, I kind of don't care about your opinion if you don't even take the effort to learn characters' names or understand it on that level. You know? That's just me. That's not a... You know, are you talking
1: about random people on the internet, or do you have somebody in
0: mind? I don't wa- I know people have said that about the Kind of Funny and review stuff. I don't watch them, so I'm not talking about anybody in particular. I'm just saying in general, because yeah. I've seen people, I, other people I know in real life that are like that, that. I'm like, man, you don't even take time to understand people's names. The thing I will say, right. too, is you're perfectly fine with having an opinion and not liking it, right, Jordan? You're perfectly fine saying the writing's awful, you're really disappointed with the season... The people yeah. who are out there making petitions for them to redo the show, that's some real entitlement culture yeah. bullshit. Like, yeah. it's like, really? You want people to sign a petition to remake the show? I don't know. That shit's ridiculous to me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I do think that it is um, the biggest turn in history when it comes to um, quality of a show dipping. Um, I'm talking about hour-long live action drama yeah. here you know i'm not including like anime <laughs> kids
0: <are> next door <laughs> um, yeah exactly
1: but um you know there's just some certain things when i look at the sopranos Mad Men, breaking bad you know just the greats of history like sure some of them may not have ended as well as you wanted or the exact way but they did not go out with a whimper the way i think that game of thrones is yeah um it's really sad to see, man. It's really upsetting. Um, digging a little deeper into it, you can actually see examples of the cast um, kind of hinting towards maybe this not being as good as as uh, previous seasons or hinting that um, maybe, you know, the directions and decisions yeah. that they chose for these final episodes were not what they would have done personally. Um, so I... The main thing is, I feel bad for the crew. I feel bad for the guys recording this beautiful show. You know, the guys doing the audio, the ladies doing the costumes, and I'm not necessarily like a. I don't feel of too YouTube bad because
2: to I'm just shit saying ton of people are watching too. So <laughs> they're sure, doing it no, better I mean, with you. than ever. They're getting yeah.
1: paid, but up until this point, they had worked on unequivocally one of, if not the greatest television show of all time. Right. And they're still working on one of, if not the greatest produced television show of all time when it comes to production value, right? But they're no longer working on the best when it comes to the actual content of the show, and it's all the way down to the point where there, you know plenty of people are absolutely dogging it at this yeah. point. So um, I do feel bad for those people that have put in so much hard work and have done such an amazing job. I mean, this episode looked so incredible. We talked about how the darkness of the Winterfell battle is kind of outside of the production crew's control and more in the, you know, how HBO compresses their digital files in their streaming service and things like that, but when this is out in the daylight, um, they absolutely killed it. And, um, I will say, one of the things that I was looking for this episode and I got, and I was, I was very happy about, for a quick fleeting moment, um, was seeing the shadow of the dragon loom over king's land oh the brand vision yeah yeah (laughs) which is a tease that we got years ago and they nailed it it was exactly like maybe not the exact same you know shot but it they connected it you know in my mind i was like oh that's what that is and it was fucking cool i mean the dragon stuff in this episode is is really really top-notch i mean it obviously has a lot to do um gets a lot of a lot of screen time. One thing, quick question. Sorry, I know we're going we, to... We got
0: to go quick, yeah. The
1: fire seems to have, like... is like a concussive blast. It's not just, like, a flamethrower that's shooting a hot fire at you, right? Like, yeah. It busted down the wall of King's Landing. Yeah, so, That's something that I noticed, like, when the, she's going around the parapets around the whole city, basically, and just... Doom, doom, doom. It's, like, pushing things forward. It's not just catching it on fire which know, would make like sense force. if you're breathing air right force it have I air, mean, air if would be you are, and if you're like you know the lungs of that dragon have to be <laughs> huge extremely powerful and so yeah if he's pushing out a jet stream of fire like that it does uh it is conceivable that it would have force but i was just surprised when like wait fire just knocked down that wall oh the front um, gate yeah the front gate so there's some stuff like that but that's obvious i mean that there are so many issues way way bigger than that in the show at this point so
0: real quick before i get i want to get through what i've been playing real quick so we can get to the news with the show i may not end up fully loving this last season but me personally i know some people had issues with season six and seven i've loved the first seven seasons of this show i might probably end up just liking season eight i still love game of thrones as a whole so
1: i just like season seven no, that's how I am with season seven. Yeah, I just like it yeah.
0: You know? um, in terms of what I've been playing real quick, I'm stuck on the final boss of Sekiro along with Dom. Uh, mm. We talked about it before we were recording. I would say for me so far, even though I'm I mean I've fought him maybe like 50 times by now. Uh, he's the hardest boss for me at the end of a Souls game. Obviously I didn't play Bloodborne, but talking to Dom, would he, you would say you would say Cinders harder than the bloodborne boss and then this guy's harder than Cinder, right? we would assume.
2: Yeah, and then as far as end bosses, but typically all the games have, you know, something along the way or optional ones that are actually like you Nameless know, King. Intentionally yeah, the hardest, yeah.
1: Bloodborne's final boss is not its hardest.
2: Yeah.
0: This yeah, guy this is, is yeah. this this end boss is it's four phases, Jordan. It's very Sir difficult. Man. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna be working on that for a while. Mother's Day I was gonna go see Detective Pikachu and my mom because I grew up with pokemon she obviously knows how i've loved it my entire life and she was the one who would buy me the cards and took me to see the first pokemon movie and she really wanted to go watch this with me just as a bond thing because she saw me grow up with pokemon so i went and watched it with mi madre on uh, sunday
1: that is very nice yeah it was really cool that Uh, she can say you know i don't necessarily give a shit about detective pikachu but i know you do and i love you so
0: Well, I mean, Pikachu's cute, and a lot of the Pokemon in there are are really cool, and she enjoyed it, which is awesome. She's very open to things, like, uh, I like musicals a lot, and I took her to see Les Miserables when it came out in theaters a long-ass time ago, and she's not really into musicals, but she's like, I'll go to the movies with you, and she ended up loving it, so that was really cool. cool. Um, I like Detective Pikachu quite a bit. I think everything before Pikachu pops up is a little slow. It's cool because it's introducing the world, but it is very slow. And then after that, yeah. it hits the ground running. It's a, it's a very tropey by the numbers movie, but it's like Pokemon in live action, dude. It's like, it's just yeah. great to see.
1: It seems pretty safe. I think that's why I'm waiting to see it at home because it's like I know that it's not going to blow my socks off. Yeah, you know, um, I know that it's probably just going to be a pretty solid film, and so that's why I'm waiting.
0: Yeah. I mean, just seeing Pokemon live action on its own is worth the price of checking it out at your house right through a streaming service or whatever. It's really cool.
1: Oh, I'll definitely watch it. You know I love Pokemon. Yeah. Um, but um, it's just – I and honestly, like, there are Pokemon movies that would absolutely have my butt in the seat opening night. But, like, I'm just not super into the whole thing they got going here. It's not that I'm, like, hating on it. I don't yeah. think – actively dislike it. It's just not catching me. You know, it's just not hooking me. Seriously.
0: Uh and lastly before we hop into the news, uh I'm on I started season 3 of My Hero Academia. So there's a movie oh. that there's a movie that happens storyline-wise between seasons 2 and 3, but it's not canonical. Yes, the two heroes. Yeah, so it's not technically canonical with the rest of it. So I'm going to finish season yeah. 3 and then I'm going to watch it. Cuz so I was debating watching yeah, it before totally I started season 3, but I was like, "Eh,
1: whatever." Um You're totally fine cuz that's the release order, which is how Obviously, I watched it, so uh, it's not like you're not going to be like trying to remember what just happened in season two, what that they're referencing in this movie. It's nothing like that at all.
0: Cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it for everything for me. Uh, let's hop into the news. News, news, news. Real quick. Enjoying that, my hero. Oh season yeah, three? it's. Re- I mean, it's only. I haven't finished season three yet, but it's up there for me in terms of my like. Favorite anime. Like my favorite anime Oh wow ever is probably Dragon Ball Z. I don't know, I debate between was... ball and just Z. But uh Yeah, it's it's really good. I like it a lot. I mean there's still a lot of other yeah. anime I wanna watch, but I tried watching yeah. Mob uh Psycho Mob one hundred.
1: Didn't Not like Psycho the
0: an- Mob Psycho, yeah. I didn't like the animation style, so I'm kinda hard oh, okay. out on that. I I'm finished the whole w- first funny episode. You but...
1: that. Uh I didn't bring it up but I uh Watched episode five of that last night because season two just started, so that's why I've, I decided to jump in. But I will say, my hero. Uh, I think it's only gotten better with the seasons, and it's never been my it's never been my favorite, but it's always been one that I enjoy. You know, yeah, um, and really appreciate and can like depend on for it being like a solid, dope show. Um, and they really get into like the whole X Men vibe, like anime X Men vibe in season three, so. Um, I'm glad that you're diving into that because yeah, season three is fucking cool, man.
0: Um, that's pretty much it. Let's hop into the news. First off, we got some numbers from Activision. Red Dead Redemption has now sold. Red, Red, Red Dead Redemption Two has now sold 24 million copies, which is really good. Um, Though sales have technically slowed because uh, I,
1: Activision is giving us Red Dead numbers.
0: Well, they own 2K
1: activision owns 2k i did not know that
0: yeah shit since when i'm pretty sure unless i'm confusing something
1: no 2k owns people is what i thought
0: two. hold on i'm just take making two. sure yes hold on i'm just take two yeah it's take two yes yeah, sorry my bad <laughs> so,
1: yes you're correct take two owns 2k is that right
0: Take-Two owns 2K. So, Take-Two gave their numbers. Sorry, not Activision. That's my my Take-Two
1: owns, like, Rockstar, 2K, uh, Irrational Games, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to You're think right. of the other studio. Whoever makes Civilization 2. I don't remember the name of the studio no. that makes the Civ games.
1: Sid Meier. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. The single man, Sid Meier. Uh, Fire Axis is the name of the studio. Anyways... So, yes, Take-Two, not Activision, um, reported that Red Dead Redemption 2 has now sold 24 million copies. Uh, last update we had, it had sold 23 million, so it's still selling really well, but they have slowed. Like 24 million copies is still an asinine number for a video game. Um, hmm. We also got another update. GTA 5 has now sold 110 million copies, which is crazy. That's uh, Which is crazy, but if you think
1: about it, Red Dead's sold, you know, almost a quarter of that in just a few months. And I'm not saying it's going to end up Catch anywhere up, yeah. near GTA, but that's, I mean... That's a Western a game? game man.
0: Yeah, a Western game selling that well. Yeah,
1: it's old school Western. Yeah, there's a lot of things um, that could deter, pe- deter you know, former GTA fans or, you know, GTA fans coming to this.
0: So. Next up, we have some sad news for people who love ship combat. Uh, Skull and Bones uh, was delayed again. Uh, this time it's indefinitely. Oh, they say canceled. That oh, game no.
1: is like begging to be canceled in my mind. Like the name of it just sounds like a canceled game. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So this time it was delayed indefinitely. It's been delayed before. If you guys remember when this game was first revealed, people were like, "That's a cool ship combat game. It looks like it's in the Black Flag engine. Where's the rest of the game?" Turns out it was pretty much just a naval combat game. The following year, they came and showed it off, and they showed off a small little hub area that you can walk around between your ship battles. That got some positive buzz, but it didn't seem like it was enough. In my opinion, this is just me interjecting, I think the delay in all of this is due to them adding more of a game to it. And I think that maybe they saw that a naval-only combat game probably wouldn't sell very well, especially with the budget that Ubisoft puts into these games. They also announced yeah, that it won't be a an...
1: Sea of Thieves.
0: Exactly. It also won't be at E3 this year, they announced. We're not seeing it. And one thing I found out that was kind of hush-hush is the director of this game left last uh, fall. Left Ubisoft. Ah. So that's probably also contributed to the delay in the game.
1: What happens is, I think they always wanted to charge $60 for this game. And when they revealed it, people were basically like... Like accepting that it was a $60 game, but thinking that it was going to have another component, you know? Yeah. And so for this to be a $60 game that they're going to get away with selling, I think that's why they've had to add so much to it. But if they had just come out from the beginning and said, hey, this is a 30 or $40 multiplayer only, you're basically the ship, you know, and you're just trying to take other people out, not a whole lot of story or whatever, then I don't think they would have had to do all these changes. I think people would have totally been down from the get-go.
0: Really dope cinematics, like the cinematics during the trailer for the thing is are really they, cool. They
1: brought these cinematics out that made you think it was single player. Yeah, or at least had a story campaign type of
0: thing. The AAA pirate game we want since since Black Flag came out. Um, yeah. The other thing that's crazy is that there's currently a television show in development for Skull and Bones, from the Ubisoft Jesus like television Christ, are you division, are you kidding me? and the game hasn't the even come fuck out yet. Out of here with that! Yeah, it's really funny. Um Ugh. next up, uh the Nintendo Switch has now sold eight point one three million units in Japan. It's past the PS4's lifetime sales uh of eight point zero seven. Um so it's now the number one selling console of this generation in Japan. The total numbers, Switch has now sold thirty-five million to date worldwide, and PS4 has now sold ninety-two million to date worldwide. Um as we talked about before the show, people may be surprised that PS4 has only sold eight million units. But you have to put into the context of the population of a country. So eight million yes. units to Japan is a lot bigger of a number than eight million units in the United States. Obviously, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Japanese people love their mobile experiences. So a console you can take on the go is arguably a no-brainer in terms of it doing well in Japan. Um, and
1: it is a Japanese product, you know. Exactly.
0: Um,
1: Another thing is. 8 million may not sound like a lot. Check the Xbox One numbers for Japan. It's not 8 million, I can tell you that much.
0: Yeah, I would because say they
1: do not give a fuck. I would about say
0: Xbox. 2 million at most. And that's being generous. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, we we've heard stories of like weeks where they sell a couple Xboxes in Japan. <laughs> yeah. All the entire country, you know, maybe just a couple years after the Xbox One did come out and they're only selling like 20 units. That's
0: and the funny thing too is we, we talk about how a rumor can – a rumor during a big event or like a big news cycle can last for years, right? So uh, when the Xbox One announcement happened and people were hearing about all this stuff about you have to always be online and stuff, there was people into like 2016 that still believe that was the case on the Xbox One. That like you had oh, – yeah. that you it was just this concept that always had to be online, which wasn't the case. And these rumors just stick Dude, with people and with – Once your-
1: you present information, it's
0: over. With Japan, I think a lot of it has to do with Xbox has never really, up until the Xbox One S, had a very sleek console, and Japan tends to have smaller households, like smaller products, and the Xbox was huge. The Xbox 360 initially was pretty big. It got a little slimmer with Elite. The Xbox One was a giant VCR, so it's even then of the of like, why would I even buy an Xbox when they're so big? And they don't even, it doesn't even cross their mind that like, oh, the Xbox One S is smaller than any console. They just know in their mind that, like, oh, the Xbox is huge. It doesn't really have the stuff I want, you know. Um, Yeah. You got to think. remember the Duke, Jared? Oh,
1: yeah, that big boy. So we got the original Xbox got a slim controller. Specifically because the console was about to come out in Japan. And, you know, the Japanese uh, dudes were looking at that controller telling Microsoft, like, this is not going to cut it. (laughs) Exactly. You got to do something better than this. So that it literally changed you know it it forced microsoft to change their the the way with which you interface with their console so obviously that tells you that they're not about putting a fucking
2: vcr on their um entertainment system were you gonna say don oh just that it's just one of those things that it sounds so weird because xbox like is so synonymous here and it's marketed so heavily it's been around but like it's probably something like you don't even see there you don't see ads. You don't even see the product in stores, probably, maybe in the back corner in a a tiny little shelf, right? So it's just one of those things.
0: Speaking of that, we this is something we don't talk about in terms of Xbox putting their games on the Switch. I mean, you know, with as little Xboxes that are out there in Japan, right, and they don't really game on PC that much. It's more of like a South Korean Chinese thing, right? Japan is pretty much about like a lot of mobile experiences. If Cuphead is on the Switch you have that in the face of 8 million people in Japan now with the Switch, right? As opposed to, like, maybe 2 million at most. So, like, Good having point. their games on the Switch actually gives them software sales in a country where they probably wouldn't get them, period, because of the lackluster Xbox sales. So Yeah, Microsoft's been trying to tap in. I mean, obviously, I <laughs> yeah.
1: just told the story about them changing the actual controller itself, which is a huge fucking deal. If I didn't make that clear enough, but... <laughs> yeah. um, They've been trying to do, you know, Blue Dragon on 360 and Scalebound on Xbox One. They've been trying to get these, you know, Jade Empire, very fucking Japanese uh, exclusives on to their console and have the biggest creators, you know, Akira fucking Toriyama with Blue Dragon, um, to show that they're they're about it. You know, with DMC Five um, was just a thing, so. They've been trying to crack that egg for a long time, and Japan's just not not having it, I guess.
0: Um, we so earlier we were talking about Skull and Bones. During that same call, Ubisoft kind of outlined their next next fiscal year. Um, obviously they talked about Breakpoint coming out in October. Uh, you weren't here last week when Which, we talked about it, out. Jordan. I'm that's yeah, one of my I, most anticipated.
1: Was, oh, so excited. Um, yeah, I was kind of a that. I was sad that I didn't get to talk about that with you guys last week because I know you and I, Jared, really loved uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands and this is, you know, the next entry in that series. So I just want to say, I know you already talked about it, but uh, trailer was, you know, a little heavy-handed in the whole, like, uh, tough guy marine talk. But nonetheless, that's what fucking Ghost Recon is. And it looks like... I don't necessarily know that they needed to, like, make such a shift because it felt like... Uh, Wildlands was a shift, right? And that was like setting them onto a path of like, okay, this is kind of like the soft reboot of Ghost Recon. Here's where we're going forward. And it looks like they've almost done a total shift again. Which makes me look at other series that like, didn't pull a God of War, and uh, I understand, you know, I just watched the documentary I understand it's very difficult, but like if Ubisoft is able to do it between Ghost Recon games, after they've already kind of soft rebooted once, like why are other games, you know, tasting like car- stale cardboard, you know, in certain series? So, uh, very excited to see what they do with
0: uh, Breakpoint. And um, coming out this fall, Jerry, October 4th. A month, October about oh, a, a little less than a month after Borderlands 3. There we go.
1: Oh, it's oh, oh. a good transition right there. Because they're <laughs> definitely, you know, have some vibes to them as far as the shooter stuff. So.
0: Also, shout out to the Wolves who are like the, the rogue ghosts. Wearing some Metal Gear ass outfits, <laughs> looking super dope. Yeah, dude. There's a lot of cool stuff in that trip, like the whole John Bernthal thing
1: and all that. Like they're, Russo, <laughs> they're going a little bit. Uh, they're not jumping the shark. They're not going uh, blood dragon. But the, you can see that they're kind of tilting that way a little bit where they're doing a little more outlandish kind of fantastical stuff. So I that's
0: think that's cool. feedback because a lot of people had issues with uh, how stale the enemies felt in Wildlines in terms of like, the bosses. Right? It's like, oh, these are like cartel dudes. Like It's like, oh, what's interesting yeah. about them? So we'll see. On top of that report, they announced that they have three other unannounced AAA games that are releasing after January 1st, 2020, and before March 31st, 2020. So when I initially read this, I didn't, yeah. I didn't catch the after Ju- uh, January 1st because they specifically said quarter four, right, of their fiscal year. I originally thought like, oh, one of those games is probably uh, Just Dance, the other one is probably like Watch Dogs or something. And then I don't know what the third one is, right? But now that this is January to March, Just Dance always comes out in the fall, so Just Dance is eliminated from that. So it's interesting, wow. like three unannounced AAA games for March thirty first. Two months, and like I wouldn't. I know you say we've
1: March first or March
0: thirty first. March thirty first between January first okay, and so March thirty first. So I know we've had this discussion for a long time, Jordan, about what is a AAA game. One thing I know for certain that is not a AAA game would be Child of Light two, which they've teased. Now right. people are assuming that maybe that could be one of the three titles, but they specifically said AAA. And unless Ubisoft is crazy, I doubt that they would say a, a UBR game is AAA. So we're assuming maybe like a no. spinoff of some sort, right? Like a Far Cry New Dawnish type game, like a smaller, like forty dollar title, because they've been experimenting with those. The other two, though, it's very it's very tough because they also <clears throat> said they'd be different genres and experiences. So I don't know what What that means. uh, Splinter cell. Matt, did you see the splinter cell debacle on the internet the last couple of days? No. What's that? Oh, you didn't see this. Did you see this, Dom?
1: Yeah, There's so many debacles Uh, on the internet, dude. Especially with fucking Game of Thrones right now. So this
0: this game director that works on the Division 2 at Massive, Jordan, he's in like wine country, sipping wine, getting drunk with a couple of other game directors from Ubisoft, having a grand old time, right? Just chilling, they launched the Division 2, the raid recently released, relaxing. He goes and like, you know what would be a really funny joke? If I tweet out that I'm currently working on the next Splinter Cell. He tweets that out... Everyone is like, oh my god, he's he's the game director on the new Splinter Cell game. Splinter Cell, Splinter Cell, Splinter Cell.
1: piece of shit.
0: Turns out Ubisoft got in contact with him and was like, yo, that wasn't a great joke. We're having to deal with all of this PR backlash. You don't have a job anymore. He thought it was funny to say that he was working on a Splinter Cell game and he wasn't. So.
1: What a fucking piece of shit, man. <laughs> it's like, okay.
0: Oh, he also said so, wait for E3 too in that tweet. <laughs>
1: oh my god so i just watched the telltale documentary from no Clip. yeah and my heart absolutely goes out to those people and it was very sad to watch It absolutely heartbreaking right but at the same time there were certain aspects where i was like okay but how are you surprised yeah in the gaming industry Like, we all know at this point... It's been... I remember it happening when I was in middle school reading Game Informer watching Pandemic Close. I mean, that was during... That was around the time of the uh, recession. So, like, it's been going on for more than ten years where we know that, like, gaming industry jobs in a studio are some of the least sturdy jobs in the entire fucking world as far as I can tell. So, it's one of those things, like, you knew what would happen or you should have at least anticipated what would have happened and so when i look at this guy i'm like you knew what would happen asshole you knew you were just going to piss a bunch of people off and give ubisoft just hand ubisoft a pile of shit to deal with yeah. you know you knew it was going to happen like there's certain situations like this where i'm like how how are you surprised
0: i just imagine this like drunk, was, uh, this drunk dude was, sipping wine he's like oh watch yeah. this this will be hilarious they were definitely yeah, they were definitely drinking
2: because they. I'm, not, the saying yeah, I'm right. not saying it's an excuse. Yeah, I'm not saying it's an
0: excuse. The just... <laughs> drinking would would
1: go from, oh, that's goofy to like getting a little drunk. You might actually think that's funny. Yeah. But even still, and especially wine drunk, like, how would you ever take all of those steps and actually go about it? Like. Dude, you know, like, somebody wipes their ass in the gaming industry and somebody's tweeting out about it being a leak. You know, like, the smallest, tiniest things. Need I remind you about Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which was a document that somebody was working on on a train, got up to go to the bathroom, and some guy took a screenshot, and you think that people are going to know you're joking on Twitter, which everybody knows, like, text on a screen does not convey emotion very well. And you're like, oh, this will be fine. You really? You're surprised, really? Come on,
0: man. Yeah, I can't believe you missed that. It was hilarious. I mean, not for people who like read it and were excited, but the whole situation is like I mean, hilarious. And how I, did this happen, way?
1: The ways in which I'm connected to you know like news of any kind is very tangential. Yeah, but, man, the man. This was you.
0: this was crazy to see unfold live. It was really funny. Um... That's pretty much it. Uh, we're going to be talking about, obviously, every year we do our pre-E3 predictions podcast. We bring on guests. We're going to be talking about what these three unannounced games could possibly be. So tune in then. They all upload before the week before E3, uh, one for every conference. We're not doing Square Enix because you don't know what you're going to get from them. Um, so, yeah, tune into that. Uh, in terms of the next story, this came out of nowhere today. Uh, we were just going to talk about Super Mario Maker 2's Direct, which we're going to be talking about after this. But uh, there's not a lot of information to this. So I don't think we need to talk about it for a, a long time. I just think it's a it's really important in terms of the gaming industry and the landscape of, you know, cloud-based technology moving forward. So out of nowhere, on Microsoft's website, they announced a partnership with them and Sony. And in the article, Microsoft stated it's a pretty long article. So if you want to go and read the actual, the actual like detailed uh, discussion of what they're planning to do with Sony, go check it out. Um, But it states under the memorandum of understanding signed by the parties The two companies will explore joint development of future cloud solutions in Microsoft Azure To support their respective game and content streaming services in addition the two companies will explore the use of current Microsoft Azure Data Center based solutions for Sony's game and content streaming services There was also another paragraph I didn't include where they talked about AI they're working together on AI my big thing here is, like, I think Sony, this partnership is great for Sony, right? They, I mean, partially they wasted money on, uh, what was Gaikai? Um, Gaikai. But this is great for them because the biggest issue we talked about with Sony is that they don't have the infrastructure Microsoft or Google does, right, with the data centers.
1: Well, that's the thing, Jared, is they may not have wasted money with uh, Gaikai because this might just be Microsoft um – Allowing Sony to look at Azure, you know what, under the hood, uh, behind the scenes, and then uh, take that back and improve Gaikai. You yeah. know that might be what this. Yeah,
0: is. I mean, from what I read from it, I, I think what you're saying can, can be true. From I, from what I read from it, it's like them working together, and Sony's actually going to be using like Azure for themselves as well. Um, but it could be the case if this is a time partnership, or it is just a partnership to learn about the technologies, right? Um, yeah. the the what I was saying to you guys before this podcast started is, I'm interested to see what how Microsoft benefits from this because reading the wording in the entire article, a lot of the technology that's being shared between the two, it's m- mostly Microsoft's technology that Sony's benefiting from, and I'm really interested yeah. to see because I doubt Microsoft would get in a partnership with Sony if they didn't think they could get something in return. That's the way partnerships work. They didn't explain what Microsoft I mean, gets out than, of this, so I'm very interested to see what that there, is.
1: Other than what we've heard about uh, Mark Cerny saying on the PlayStation 5, which I do believe him, obviously he's the one that's intimately connected and seems like an honest man, Um, other than that, Microsoft, when it comes to just straight up Xbox and PlayStation, Microsoft is obviously far surpassing them when it comes to the current state of uh, pushing technology. Yeah. Um, And... uh, which you know has been a sony thing the recent the reason that the ps3 cost so much was because it was way ahead of its time and it had <laughs> way 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 more features than the xbox did you know features that you had to buy hundred dollar attachments for in xbox so um you know sony hasn't been on the forefront of technology probably because they're worried so much about vr You know they've been on obviously the forefront of that in certain ways but not necessarily the console you know the ps4 pro compared to the xbox one is is not even close and you know i've talked and we have on this show ad nauseum almost about all the different things that microsoft has been doing over these recent years especially this generation to really um not only, you know, getting better standing with the fans and community, but also to just like push things forward, you know, things that need to be pushed forward in gaming Microsoft's doing that more than either of the other two major companies in Nintendo and Sony, so um, yeah, how is Sony, you know, who doesn't seemingly hasn't been, you know, pushing a lot of tech uh, forward in the console space what are they going to be able to um, what are they going to have that Microsoft would want?
0: Yeah, my two, I want to get to what you think about this whole thing Dom, my two quick ideas Jordan would be A, Mm -hmm. the thing we talked about earlier, Japan, like maybe they can learn for how to operate their business in Japan because Sony has experience with that. Um, The other thing could be the structure of their first party studios. Obviously this is top level, this is an Xbox, PlayStation, this is a partnership between Sony and Microsoft, but we assume it trickles down because those technologies will be used more often than not with the gaming slice of those companies. And I think maybe it could be the structure of their first-party studios because in the last year, we've seen uh, Chris Booty was named the head of uh, Xbox Studios, right? And they they have the uh, Santa Monica Studio, the initiative. And they could use a little bit of knowledge in terms of how to structure your first parties because though Sony hasn't had big fall releases, they have had a decent cadence of really good first parties come out. Um, though, the obviously, the reveals sorry i
1: wasn't trying to interrupt i was just saying that uh you know the the things that you're mentioning are the things that i think they wouldn't discuss because that's specifically like how do we compete better against you in japan sony whereas like the tech thing is like you know that's that's already going to be there like either of them could surpass each other most likely if they just chose to put the money into it whereas microsoft's been dumping money into learning how to handle Japan for years, and they just can't seem to do it. So that's like the stuff that you're talking about, I would think, would be the stuff that they would actually be uh, tight-lipped on.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only counter to that would be that if Sony's using the Azure cloud servers, that's Microsoft also handing out a competitive advantage they currently have, right? Because they do have that, the stable data center infrastructure around the world. It's just weird. I want to get to Dom. Uh, what do you think about this whole thing, Dom? What do you think, like, Microsoft gets out of it in general? What do you think about the partnership?
2: Well, to me, I mean, I am i thought of it more face value that it's just, yeah, probably we're going to see PlayStation Now being run on, uh, run from Azure, right? Um, yeah. Sony's just going to be renting server space, essentially, and network and, and that infrastructure, right? And so what Xbox would get out of it is, like, the royalties, so right? Exactly, like, yeah. I mean, even though it's going to look like a Sony game and a PlayStation game, like Xbox is going to be, you know, breaking in (laughs) a a lot of money on the back end because Sony has, you know, at least right now, you know, the the games that Xbox kind of lacks. So it's like it's it sounds funny, but I could see where depending on you know the specific deals they end up having in place, where it makes a lot of sense uh, on the back end to be raking in money, even if it, you know, the game shows up as a Sony game and you only get one, you know. Azure, you know, splash logo at the front or something, but I, I think it could make sense. It's it's tough to say, you know, without seeing the agreements and yeah. things like that. But. To
0: that point, too, like, Google's a big player in all of the streaming stuff, and, like, I think partially Microsoft knows as much as they have with Microsoft Azure, like, they might feel that they have to team up and figure out things together to be able to compete with Google and Stadia, because, like, Google's a big player in all of this. They have a, a lot of sure. money that they can invest in it, you know, so maybe they're like, we should team up because collaborating together is the best way that we can succeed through it so what are you going to say Jordan
2: also don't also don't rule out the same thing going in that direction where we see Xbox or PlayStation games exclusive games right on Stadia that could also happen be too, true right? or any yeah. other combination it's kind of like most likely you can't really rule this shit out anymore
0: most likely Xbox because PlayStation is very walled garden about it I think it'd most likely be Xbox as opposed to PlayStation but because Stadia won't be on consoles I don't think right I don't know why not
2: why would Why, it, why
0: would Xbox allow Stadia on their console?
2: Same thing, royalties, right? I don't know.
0: But they I mean, don't earn money from well, that. But
1: see, that—that that is the whole confusing part about this, guys, is make no mistake, companies of this size, um, titans of their respective industries that are competing on this scale, do not collaborate like this. Yeah. <laughs> this is not, I mean, this is like Marvel and DC getting together in the 90s or whatever. Stuff that is like... Feels like something from a parallel universe, almost. Um, And so it is confusing. Are they trying to posture against Stadia and Google? Or are they um, becoming more open? Or are they just trying to get um, some of the knowledge that each of them does not have, but does desire? Um, Any of that's possible. But I do think that... um, I mean, this is weird to say, because because you've got an example of direct c- competitors working together uh, right here, but I don't necessarily think that you're going to see Stadia on these consoles because um, at least Xbox is, you know, Game Pass is is just such a direct competitor, whereas EA Access is a little different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Stadia would be uh, tough to imagine on Xbox.
2: It's one of those things where, like, the Amazon Fire sticks and fire TVs, right? You could still download Netflix and Hulu on those devices, even though Amazon yeah. competes against them with their own streaming service, right? It could be a sort to that where, at the end of the day, it's better to be open, even if it seems counterintuitive to selling your specific are, service. I don't know. These are bloody
1: fights, you know, between these companies. Yeah. It's and, uh, a valid I'm point, I'm glad Dom. you brought that up, Dom, because um, oh, it is, absolutely, but something interesting off of that is... Uh, until maybe the last couple years I think um, Amazon was not available on Apple TV or certain right, times it right. wasn't it had, it had been taken off and I even remember watching a panel where Jeff Bezos was kind of being questioned about that mm-hmm. and um, it's the same thing like you Th- know, some Amazon of those walls
2: owns... still exist too <laughs>
1: yeah right um, like Amazon owns Comixology, and so when you're like doing Comixology stuff in the app I think if you actually want to buy something you have to jump out of the app into the browser because they don't want to give Mm -hmm. apple that 30 percent cut and i think that's where the debate with uh amazon being on apple tv was with the whole cut who gets what and so there's always this give and take it's kind of like a game of thrones situation um which is probably a reference i'll be making less often in the future unfortunately (laughs) Uh, but it is kind of a situation with like uneasy alliances and there's some backstabbing and then there's some handshaking in, in the public eye and all that so.
0: the, the one thing I will say is Sony, as we've seen the last couple of years, has been very standoffish This to me is a clear sign that Gaikai probably wasn't panning out or they weren't necessarily confident in their own infrastructure or the ability to do it without spending a lot of money This to me is like yeah. Sony admitting defeat, but in a good way because they they understood the problem Possibly. before it occurred. Yeah, because like we've seen something how walled off Sony is. Like they they, they don't want to do anything right. with anybody. Right. <laughs> so
1: something interesting I I thought of recently is um, within the last two years Sony has, uh, I mean this is a fact they have decreased or increased the cost of PlayStation Plus. Right, it yeah. is factual that they increased the cost ten dollars. Fall of, I think, 17. And it is factual that they have decreased the amount of value by, by, uh, like, PS3 and VA games just disappearing off of the, the, uh, basically, free games uh, every month. And nothing replacing it. So you've literally seen a tangible loss in value and a tangible sp- uh, increase in price. And you I hope at think, least. Like, how fucking. How, f- how much fucking hubris do you have to have to say, yeah, within two years, the span of two years, we're going to say, yeah, start paying us more, and then less than two years later, yeah, we're also decreasing the value right in front of your face. I mean, it's not even like backhanded, read the fine print stuff. It's right in
2: front of your face, so that you is... You hope at least that they've been uh, improving stability, and I don't know yeah. like if I that's true or not. I don't but see it. I mean, the store had-
1: doesn't load half the time, the... The upload-download speeds are abysmal compared to Xbox and Microsoft's network. True. Uh, When I first found out about that, that stuff was
0: crazy. I was like, whoa. (laughs) When you see the numbers, it's like, oh, God.
1: And, like, Jared, you know me. I've had both consoles basically this whole time. So I would sit there and go back and forth on the same fucking network (laughs) and get four or five times the speed (laughs) Yeah. with, like, it's not even, like, one of them's Ethernet and one of them's Wi-Fi. It's like, no, this is the same deal, and you are shitting a brick, PlayStation.
0: Uh, before we hop to the Mario Maker Direct stuff, real quick, do you guys assume that... So, we're assuming that PS5 is backwards compatible, because Cerny said as much, right? When that's been going a bit, do you think that the PlayStation Plus will eventually be uh, PS5 games and PS4 games? Since it will yeah. be back
2: compatible? Probably. They might be smaller PS5 games at first.
1: Yeah, true. They... Like, when ps4 was released they immediately added that you know yeah but it was kind of weird like the examples of games that they were giving out because you were used to coming off of ps3 by the end of the ps3 generation when playstation plus started they're giving you like triple a games right which is what they're doing now with ps4 games so the thing is i think you will have PS5, but it's going to be, you know, Resogun 2 type of thing. It's going to yeah, be all right. indie, which unfortunately is non-existent because um, that <laughs> is no longer a feasible game model, I guess, to make for uh, Mark, unfortunately, but um, you're going to be getting indie games for a very long time if they do automatically add that.
0: I guess my, my question there wasn't that you wouldn't be getting PS5 games, you would be get, but rather that you would be getting both PS5 and PS4 games, you know?
1: Yes, I do think you will. I would think. And, okay. of course, you know, you'll know you be able to play the PS4 games. But you'll probably be getting, you know... Uh,
0: Black I mean, Tiger 5-star like games. <laughs> whatever that game is. Yeah. Well, you'll be getting...
1: You know, you'll be getting... Um, Cuphead on PlayStation. No, you know, like that <laughs> style. Like that, that uh, you know, single-A type of, of indie game versus the PlayStation 4 games that you'll be getting are going to be where they're at now with the AAA stuff.
0: Yeah. Let's get to the Super Mario Maker 2 Direct so we can close out the show. So, it was a pretty cool Direct, about 15 minutes. I was already sold on this game. Uh, one thing that I think that we'll get to midway through is something that could win over people that were on the fence. Um, first off, they showed off new creation features. So, we got slopes, we got snake blocks, we got level scrolling that you can customize. We got the 3D World style... Um, Whoa! Hold on, one second. My notes disappeared. Let me pull Whoa. them back up. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa!
1: Super Mario Maker Two. Now,
0: there we go. Dom,
1: on a scale of one to yes, how amazing do you think my Mario impression is?
0: I'm ready okay. to go. <laughs> yes, I think yes. it's good. So Super Mario Maker Two. In addition, yeah. in addition to the level themes that already existed, that being the castle and the grass and all those normal ones that were in the original Mario Maker. They've added a forest theme, a desert theme, a snow theme, and a sky theme. Um, The 3D world style is listed under extra game styles is something that people noticed. And in the extra game styles, there's an empty slot, meaning that something's probably going to go there, right? Because with Nintendo design, they tend to not have an empty area unless it's going to be used, right, with their UI and stuff. So people assume there's going to be DLC. The big frontrunners in terms of rumors or ideas or theories is either Paper Mario or 64, um, people also think that maybe Super Mario Bros. 2, but that has a completely okay, different whole, gameplay style. So
1: The yeah. whole 64 thing is ridiculous. Paper Mario is relatively uh, in the realm of possibility, but you're changing the medium of the game when you go from 2D to 3D. Now, they could maybe do some version of 64 in 2D, but we all know that that was not the best-looking generation. Why would you want to add that unless it's 3D. So unless they're going to just have one random mode that is, you know, totally changes the matrix of input and all that, it's like, that's very, very different from what Mario Maker is, whereas Paper Mario, it's like, you know, essentially a filter. You know, essentially you're just changing the look of things.
0: Well, I, th- I think the only pe- the reason people have a little belief in it is that 3D World is uh, also plays in 3D perspective, but in Super Mario Maker 2, it's only 2D levels. So...
1: Yes, but isn't that essentially just the U Super Mario Bros. U style? Um, is it? Is it
0: different? No, because it's like a lot of cat stuff.
1: <laughs> you didn't convince me there. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a I lot know c- what you mean. They have, but the cat suits is not changing. You know the like format of the game, and even still, those. Like, dude, those 64... Nintendo 64 graphics, like, the way that textures are pasted on objects is very, very different. You it would
0: also look thing. hideous in 2D. I'm with That's you. That. I don't think they'd That's do it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying is,
1: like, what the fuck are you people uh, talking about, Super Mario 64? Now, if you want to make, like, a whole separate game where, like, the uh, a $30 expansion pass to this game is, like, a big Super Mario 64 thing where it's all 3D editing, but, like... The whole thing about Mario Maker is jumping back and forth between styles and pieces and all that and just grabbing and go. And there's no way that you can jump back and forth or there's no way that you would want to see that in 2D. So it's like ridiculous.
0: The thing with the 3D World style too is you can't jump back and forth with that and the other ones. Uh, Once you use that style, it completely changes the level and it has to be a different level.
1: See, that's what I needed earlier, not...
0: Well, there's more cat
1: stuff.
2: <laughs> more cat stuff. Well, that wasn't
0: the – you said it was like the new Super Mario Brothers. U style, but 3D World obviously goes into a 3D space, which is, you know, the yes. difference in – I think I get it. Yeah, I think whatever. I Let's just move on to multiplayer. So there's going to be local two-player creation. Uh, so if you have a Joy-Con, you can uh, – if you have a, you know, a two Joy-Cons, you can pass them to a friend. You both can create locally. Yeah. Um, there is local four-player play, but it has to be on, one of the four people has to be online in order for it to work so there's no true offline four-player co-op. Um, also on the online version of multiplayer, you have versus mode, which is four people going through a level, whoever finishes it first wins. And there's co-op, which is you all work together to get to the end of the level. Um, one of the biggest things, this is the thing I was mentioning in terms of winning some people over, there's a story mode. So the story mode is uh, Peach's castle is wow. destroyed and you need to rebuild it. The way you rebuild it is you play through levels and you earn coins to buy upgrades for the castle. And there's over 100 Nintendo-created levels. So these are handmade, crafted levels to teach you about the game. Um, it's just like a, a Mario game. No,
1: Jared. Certain things... I'm saying this to you, Mr. Nintendo. I'm saying this to you, Nintendo, not Jared, comma, Mr. Nintendo. Um... <laughs> uh not everything needs a fucking story mode okay if uh, tennis aces is any indicator, not everything <laughs> needs a story mode okay okay We can chill with the fucking story modes.
0: Well I think pe- I think they you to focus on making a decent game. Yeah, I think they added this because I'm Jaded
1: Jared, I'm sorry, but I don't know why I have to worry about rocket health.
0: <laughs> they're, uh, I, they added a story mode with 100 uh, user, cre- uh, Nintendo-created levels because I think people want there to be an like a solid game there outside of the creation stuff. So I think they're just kind of sure. covering their ho- all their bases, um, yeah. which is cool. Uh, so that's pretty much it for the story mode. You unlock different uh, levels of the castle as you build it. Um, and there's other varying challenges from other characters that don't necessarily uh, tie into the direct story mode. You can help other companions and stuff. Um... Nintendo Online. You have to have a Nintendo Online uh, subscription to do online, obviously, for this game, and upload your levels. Uh, One of the cool things is that uh, downloaded courses can be played offline. So you can bulk up and download a bunch of cool courses you want to check out, be away from the internet, and still be able to play them, which is really cool for plane flights or traveling or whatever.
1: An OG version? I'm not sure. It
0: from people's like reaction, it doesn't seem like it, but I don't know for sure if that's the case or not. Other uh, another thing that I saw people celebrating is uh, the curation and search tools on this seem much improved from the original. People are saying that they are almost non-existent in the original Mario Maker. Dude, the
1: way people talked about it in the original Mario Maker, the only reason it made sense is because I knew how Nintendo does like friend codes. Yeah, you know. Where it's like, oh, you guys are fucking idiots when it comes to this. Yeah, I guess that makes sense why you would make this just, you know, piss poor discovery tool. And we've talked, obviously, about the store and all that. But, like, yeah, the way people describe the original Mario Maker, it's like, who in the hell thought that that was a good idea to organize levels that way?
0: Um, they also announced the Super Mario Maker 2 Invitational happening June 8th which is the beginning of E3 that weekend Mm. Um, there's new music in this game by Super Mario composer Koji Kondo sounds really good there's some remixes to some classic tunes that people really enjoyed I thought it was dope too Um, I'm not super attached to Mario music but it is iconic very iconic Um, so at the end they showed two special purchase choices promotional offers one for 70 bucks you can get the game and 12 months of Nintendo Online so you're saving 10 bucks um, which is a good deal. I mean, if, you, if you're planning on playing online, yeah. it's saving 10 bucks to get both, right? Um, the other one is weird. If are going
1: to buy the game, that's what I'd buy.
0: The other one is weird. Uh, so it, ne- it doesn't have to do anything specifically with Super Mario Maker 2, but they introduced the thing that if you have a Nintendo online subscription, you can pi- buy this thing for $100. And what it does is it gives you two vouchers, then you can exchange for any eligible Nintendo games. It seems like it's all first-party Nintendo published games and you can redeem those for the games so essentially what it's used for is say so say i buy the seventy dollar version of super mario maker 2 right jordan i get super mario maker 2 i get the one year of nintendo online say this fall comes around and i'm planning on getting animal crossing and pokemon right 120 bucks right there we're assuming the this new pokemon will be 60 bucks for the sake of this example yeah I'm like I'm gonna buy both of those, and they're coming out near each other, and I'm buying them at launch. That's 120 bucks plus tax. I'm just gonna spend 100 bucks on this thing, get those two vouchers, and get those games, and save myself 20 bucks. It's essentially what it's for, you know. The cool thing with the vouchers is that you don't have to use them both at the same time, and uh, you, but you have to use them within a year. So if you could use, you could just buy it in advance, and say you want to get I don't know what games coming out early next year. Let's um, just say for the sake of argument, it's definitely metroid prime
1: 4 jared
0: yeah let's say metroid prime 4 is coming out in march right so you could buy the thing now a year after they restart the game exactly you can buy the the vouchers now get pokemon when it comes out and save that voucher for when metroid prime comes out um it's a little weird so but it is
1: you you can get vouchers by purchasing mario maker right
0: no 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 these are separate from mario maker for $100, okay. you get two vouchers. I
1: was like, well, how is this connected to Mario Maker? It isn't.
0: It, they just, I think they needed to st- advertise this, and they're like, let's just stick this on the end of this Direct. Well, um,
1: then, if I don't have to buy Mario Maker to do that, hell yeah, I'm going to do this, because I'm obviously going to buy two Nintendo games. You know, it, and something. you already have
0: Nintendo online, so you're just going
2: to save yourself 20 bucks, right? So so you have to have Nintendo online to buy the vouchers? Yeah. but you, Okay, that's what I thought you said.
0: And they're tied to your account, so I don't know if you can... Subscribe, buy the vouchers, then just when you need to use them, subscribe again. But then you would be using money because it's like five bucks a month, so why wouldn't you just buy a year in advance for, you know?
1: This sounds uh, like another example of Nintendo giving you basically free money in an easy way, easy way to redeem. Dude, and then if you. Yeah,
0: you save 20 bucks and you get those coins, Jordan, for both of those purchases.
2: Ah. mm.
0: Maybe they'll be eligible. well no 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 I'm saying because you when you buy games you get the coins, right? Sure.
1: Yeah, when you use the voucher you probably won't get
0: coins. Yeah, man, I know. just thought about that. So I'm getting but Super still. Mario Maker two and I'm getting I'm buying the seventy dollar version, Jordan, for the twelve months of Nintendo online because if I can get it for half off, might as well just get it. Also I know the cloud saving thing, yeah. you're like, well, how the hell do you guys not have it? And yeah. I'm I'm really sure that Animal Crossing is coming out this year and I'm definitely getting Pokemon. So I'm eventually just gonna buy the voucher and save twenty bucks and get both of those games. You know? That's my game plan. So.
1: Now, okay, you said like I could buy the non-existent Metroid Prime next year. Um, is it gonna run out some at some point? Yes,
0: a year from purchase, they're they're null. Okay, so but, but you yeah, don't have to I'm use them Pokemon. at the same time, so you can like use sure. one now and then use I'm one. Definitely later. getting
1: Pokemon. Is there another Nintendo? Link's
0: Awakening, Marvel? but that probably won't be sixty. That's a thing.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. I
0: can't think of any other big Bayonetta 3, maybe? Fire, and Fire Emblem.
1: Fire Emblem.
0: Fire Emblem as well, yeah.
1: Is it going to be... Can I get the vouchers before Fire Emblem comes out? Yeah, I
0: think they, the vouchers are currently live, I'm pretty sure, on the eShop. If not, they're Dang. launching by the time the time Mario Maker 2 comes about out. about to find out! Anyways, we're going to close out the show while Jordan's checking that. We'll have him go last in terms of what he's playing so we can look for his Switch. In terms of what I'm going to be playing... Dom, are we going to beat Sekiro this week? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I hope so, man. He, I don't know.
0: It's tough. Honestly, Dom, this is a boss that I'm not sure I'm going to beat for a while because I don't know if I'm going to have the time to be able to sit there for a six-hour stretch and just gut it out, you know? Um, He's tough. And I know it's all about learning, and we talked about, like, you're I I the same way. We can get through the first phase without getting hit. It's just the second phase is such a change that it's hard to wrap my mind around. We'll eventually get it, I think so. I don't know if this week, but we
2: will, hopefully. It has to happen. Oh, well, dude, I'm something I'm stopping.
1: Something I've been meaning to talk about. I played a, uh, um, Joker in Smash. That was pretty cool.
0: Nice. Oh, nice. Um, what's the other thing I'm gonna be playing? Oh, so Rage 2 reviewed okay. It reviewed like days gone, like what low 70s, right? 72, 73, or whatever. Um. Great shooting. The rest of the world doesn't seem very entertaining. So remember I talked about if it was getting good reviews, I'd get it at launch. I didn't get it at launch because the reviews were like meh. Um, so instead, Activision, I'm using them correctly this time, had a sale. And I got Spy- the Spyro remaster that I've been meaning to get around to oh, nice. uh, for 30 bucks. So spent half the money I was going to spend. I can't wait to jump into those. Honestly, Dom, I was thinking about jumping into them after Sekiro. But what I think I might do is just give Sekiro a college try for a while then go and ease off with Spyro and then come back to it, you know?
2: Man, um, I can't do that. I, I get obsessive, and I have a personal vendetta right now against uh, the old Sword Saint, and I have to win, and I will not stop until it's done. Ooh.
0: Yeah, I, I might the get Ultimate like that Alliance too.
1: 3, that's another game that could possibly be.
0: True. I didn't know that was 60, so that's a good, good point. Um,
1: I mean, I know you can't like totally read it, but yeah, you get them two vouchers you can purchase for $100 right now. Uh,
0: that's pretty much it for me. There's a movie coming out this weekend I think I want to see. I think Booksmart comes out this weekend. It's essentially uh, uh, super bad bow with two girls, and it looks really funny, and it's getting really good buzz. So I want to check that Here out. It.
1: Eligible for up to plus 500 coins.
0: Hell yeah. So we get coins along with it, which go to the next purchase.
1: Dude. Nice. Nintendo's giving you money, right? Yeah. Like, if you're playing their games, like, if you're going to play their games, they're just giving you money.
0: Um, that's it for me. Dom, outside of Sekiro, anything else?
2: That's it, man. Like um, like I said, it's a vendetta.
0: Vendetta. Uh, Jordan, what are you going to be playing? Your mystery game, obviously. The Game of Secrets. The Game of Secrets.
1: Um... So yeah, we'll definitely uh, mess around with that a little bit and um, see if I break out my Switch. Um, And then uh, you mentioned Dragon Ball slash DBZ possibly being your favorite anime of all time, Jared. And uh, I am almost finished uh, with my full watch of the original Dragon Ball series oh cool and I've also been watching the uh, movies along with it Um, and I just want to give a huge huge shout out to Dragon Ball man Uh, Dragon Ball and Pokemon are absolutely the reason that I'm into anime and so much Japanese culture uh, that I'm into Uh, both the shows and the games um, were big in uh, that becoming a thing for me early on. Uh, I don't know if I told the story. I, I,
0: Whoa. Maybe I'll tell
2: the long version. You read it too, Jared?
0: Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, Jordan. <laughs> they just announced who's playing Batman in the Matt Reeves Batman movie.
1: Oh my goodness. You guys, like, I thought that you guys saw, like, a, a spirit behind me. <laughs> no, I thought no. You guys, <laughs> You guys were like...
0: Jordan, are you still there? Where did you go? No, I was I'm was checking to see if any like crazy gaming news like broke while we were filming. Because I tend to do that when we're near the end of the show just to see if there's something to mention, right? And the top thing is Robert Pattinson to play the Batman.
1: Whoa, dude. He's a great Whoa. actor. People
0: shit on him. He's a very good actor. I'm interested to see what his take will be.
1: Sure, it's just that we finally got a big dude to play Batman and Ben Affleck, and it made a difference. Yeah, but people have... Like, Christian Bale is not as menacingly... Like, you you kind of need somebody to, like, tower over somebody. And think about those scenes, some of the only good scenes in BVS where he is just...
0: A monster. those dudes in the yeah, warehouse. Like, I love it.
1: Can you imagine Pattinson doing that and you not thinking it looks dumb because there's no way a guy like that could lift those guys yeah. in that way? Like He, he better that, bulk like, up. It makes sense. Yeah. I don't know, man. But then again, that's what I said about Gal Gadot when uh, she was coming through for Wonder Woman. I was like, Wonder Woman is not supposed to be a supermodel stick figure, you know, and she bulked up for that and also I think she... Uh, still looks like a relatively skinny Wonder Woman, but not nearly not as, as bad as I
0: thought And it was. on the plus side, because I want DC to succeed like Marvel has, right? Because competition's great for both. He's only 32, which means if things go well, we could have Batman for a while, which is great. So,
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll see. Anyway,
1: not who I would have picked, but I, I don't hate on Robert, Robert It's interesting. In that he yeah. actually is a, a solid actor. Like, I've seen some, him in some cool stuff, so... Um,
0: Anyways. Sorry, go ahead. We were
1: talking about the Holy Dragon Ball.
0: Sorry to interrupt you again. I I, I apologize. Fucking Christ. This is uh, right under this. uh, Ric Flair passed away, apparently, just a couple of hours ago. Woo! Wow. Anyways, go
1: ahead. I'm not cheering that he died. I was like yeah, doing the Ric Flair thing
0: in salute. That's crazy. Sorry. Those are like two bombshells, dude. I'm like, whoa. Sorry. Anyways,
1: playing Batman and Robert Pattinson died. That's fucked up, man. <laughs>
0: As you were saying about Dragon Ball, I apologize.
1: Yeah the uh, the the holy grail of uh, Japanese uh, IP, uh, Dragon Ball. Yeah, so I'm almost finished with the original run, uh, which is like 150 episodes. I'll be jumping into the near 300 episode Dragon Ball Z original version, not Kai. And, uh, I will be watching the, uh, standard Blu-ray sets, which have removed the grain. I know a lot of people are upset about that, but they still look great. And, you know, it's Dragon Ball in HD, and you got some audio options, because, oddly enough, did you boys know that Dragon Ball Z has, uh, both a Japanese score and an American score, which is not something that anime does?
0: I think I've heard that before
1: the falconer, Bruce falconer score that Funimation did.
0: Yeah, I my so I love Dragon Ball. My best friend is like yeah. obsessive about it. Like he'll just it's like some people at the office where they just put it on and rewatch like 9 to 11 times, right? right? He's like that with Dragon Ball. So he's like all up into that. I remember him mentioning that once. So
1: Yeah. And the funny thing about it is, you know, as hardcore as anime fans are, a lot of people are like, "You know what? It's actually pretty damn good." And some people <laughs> even think that it's better. Um, so the cool thing is you could watch you know Japanese voices with Japanese score you could watch uh, English dub with Japanese score or English dub with English American score so um, maybe I'll have to go through the whole 300 episodes twice Uh, probably not anytime soon but like that would be perfect for you know like you were saying it's one of my favorite properties of all time Jared when I'm 35 I might want to go back through it and I'll be like oh I'll do the other score anyways um yeah I mean if you don't know about Dragon Ball like I'm not gonna try to describe it to you it's it's you know anime superheroes I guess you could say with a heavy dose of martial arts um but it is a uh, fantastic in anime and there's plenty of stuff that's dumb about it there's plenty of stuff to make fun of just like with any of this shit with anything that has ever existed but for the most part there's a lot of cool shit too man um dragon ball was dragon ball z i should say was one of those series that uh had the problem of adapting its manga and catching up too quickly so they did the opposite of what full metal alchemist did and they decided to just stretch things out and do a lot of filler whereas full metal alchemist decided to make up their own ending um and you know there's pros and cons to both of those situations but uh yeah, Dragon Ball, the Dragon Ball saga, as it's kind of called, with um, DB, DBZ, uh, Dragon Ball Super, and GT. Um, there's obviously hundreds of episodes uh, to watch, but it is something special, man. And one of my, like I said, one of my favorite properties of all time. Goku's one of my favorite characters of all time, and, and um, so yeah, just huge shout out to that. And finishing up the original series been so much fun and i'm definitely you know jared uh, you you can attest to this there's a big difference between dragon ball and dragon ball z it's all based on the same manga manga dragon ball but uh they definitely shift in dragon ball z to a lot more action oriented and um a lot less uh, like goofy fun time humor stuff so um Dragon Ball is a much slower show. I remember as a kid, it was like, yes, I like watching when Dragon Ball episodes are on Cartoon Network, but it's like, dude, it's not nearly as good as Dragon Ball Z, because when you're a kid, those Dragon Ball Z fights are the fucking shit, so.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, my
1: Dragon Ball tribute.
0: <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Uh, next week, we'll be back on, all three of us. Like I said, in the coming weeks, we're going to have our 8 3 episodes, uh, Talking about the predictions, what we think is going to happen, what we saw last year, how that leans into this year. No Sony this year, but that's fine. There's a bunch of other cool conferences to talk about. Wish we'd be talking about Sony, but they decided not to, so that's that. Uh, If you can, please follow us on YouTube. Subscribe there. Hit the bell notification so you know when we upload. Like the video as well. It helps us out um on itunes if you leave us a review helps with the algorithm we move up the charts and people can see our podcast we want to grow so if you can do that that helps as well on twitter you can find us at CTRLINT. that's controlled interests abbreviated you can find me at jared underscore you can find dom at doms oreos and you can find jordan at mellow yeah tune in we're gonna have some really cool e3 episodes um and worst case scenario, if there's not a lot of news in the coming weeks with people holding out for e3 We'll do some topics and stuff. We'll just see what happens. But there'll probably be enough news with people leaking. Um, We'll probably see the next Assassin's Creed leak as it usually does with Ubisoft, even though it's a year away. Um, But, yeah, I'll catch you guys next week.